Welcome to this Frequency Matters podcast. I'm Pat Hindle, and today I'm talking with Tom Sarfi, Business Development Manager at Pickering Interfaces. Welcome, Tom. Thanks, Patrick. Good to be here. So uh, Pickering supplies modular signal switching, simulation, software, and services, and they streamline the development and deployment of high-performance electronic test and verification systems. What overall trends are you seeing in the market these days? So there are trends that you know would apply to all markets addressed by TNM, and then there are those that you know I would say that are specific to a particular industry. Our products find homes in many different application spaces. Three most prevalent that you know we usually uh, you know got kind of guide our product development roadmaps are mill arrow uh, transportation, which these days include EV and uh, battery management systems, and then semiconductor. All markets right now, I think uh, this is not news, are impacted by supply chain issues. But you know, if we consider that just as more of an aberration rather than a prevailing trend, I think what that has caused is uh, many manufacturers to view their test strategies a bit differently uh, in order to minimize the time to market and the associated risk that you know, these supply issues have uh, created. And uh, these strategies, in my opinion, uh, won't just be a temporary patch for current conditions. They're just uh, they're just good business practices. So, you know, anything that can be done to model a system's behavior uh, and validate its design prior to integration, the, that can reduce surprises that you know often delay schedules. This includes and uh, in what we're involved in, for instance, inserting faults during a design phase, uh, digital modeling, uh, as well as hardware emulation of a test system. Uh, for example, we offer a hardware simulation tool set that can be used to debug and validate application code before hardware, you know, before we're able to deliver our hardware. Software integration can be a huge task on a project timeline. So anything that can be done to move that timeline to the left will only help, you know, uh, manufacturer achieve system readiness. I'd say there's also increased emphasis on creating a, a foundation in test development that reuses a lot of engineering development. You know, as much as possible across multiple and future test projects. It's all very intuitive and, you know, nothing really that's earth shattering, but, you know, supply chain challenges that we're currently facing right now are not very forgiving, uh, is forcing manufacturing and, and, and suppliers as well, or manufacturers and suppliers as well, to become more disciplined. And that goes beyond just adhering to a published approved vendors list. Uh, as far as technology trends, our products are primarily used in production tests. And design and validation. I think you know you alluded to that at the end of, during the introduction. Uh, we're seeing new requirements being uh, driven primarily in the transportation and semiconductor segments of our business, uh, particularly battery management system tests, where new cell technology is pushing the need to switch higher voltages or source higher current levels. And then in semiconductor, I mean, we deal with a lot of chip manufacturers, uh, and they're constantly looking to to switch at higher frequencies. And that, you know, ultimately drove us to you know, investigate and ultimately release 67 gigahertz switch products. Now, while Mill Arrow isn't really driving a lot of technology trends and tests, I think that's by design. I mean, they have much longer uh, product life cycles than what you would find in commercial industry. There is one area uh, that Mill Arrow is really driving the TNM community to think differently, and that's through an increased interest and awareness in the area of cybersecurity. Test systems are often connected to an internal network, which means they can be a potential portal for bad actors. Two industry consortia that Pickering is involved with, uh, the IBI Foundation, which is a, a standards body for software, 
And then LXI, which is the industry uh, standards body for land-based instrumentation, they've worked together and completed a five-year effort that resulted in a, in addition to the specifications that addresses secure communication between network instruments. So yeah, I would say, you know, keep an eye out for a press release on that within the next month or so. Well, you bring up a very good point about supply chains. I know they're stressed right now and we hope that someday they won't be, but it's kind of changed everybody's outlook forever that you really need to be more careful about how you do that. Exactly. And you mentioned, um, LXI. So, you know, what are the differences in the various interfaces and applications that you supply? Because there's PXI, PCI, LXI, and USB. And how do you decide what's appropriate for an application? Right. So PXI and PCI are really platforms. They, they define mechanical, uh, you know, a mechanical footprint, a very defined mechanical footprint and electrical interfaces. Whereas LXI and USB are really just communication interfaces, you know, much like GPID was back in its heyday. In fact, I think, you know, if you look at some instrumentation, you know, over the years, there were some uh, products that were being released that had the, you know, was, was the same box that had the option of having a, you know, all, all three interfaces were supported on it. LX, you know, a land-based instrument or, or land-based interface like LXI, USB, and GPIB really gave the uh, the user, the option of using any one of those communication interfaces, but it's not really what I would call a platform. And, you know, the decisions uh, to, you know, as far as what platform or communications interface that, you know, are used in applications, those, those decisions are often made, you know, before the time that we are contacted. So a systems engineer may have designed a PXI chassis into their systems architecture, and they're looking for a specific module or modules to put into it. Uh, or, you know, a systems engineer may also be looking for the simplicity of an Ethernet connection, which could be part of the, you know, the architecture of a, of a particular test system. Uh, fortunately for us, we've developed technology that can be adapted to any of these interfaces uh, that you mentioned. We are seeing less of a demand in new, you know, as far as new applications go for PCI or PCI Express, more so for USB, really more for PXI, PXI Express and LXI. Um, we have a range of mainframes that accept our PXI modules and can interface to the, you know, the host controller through a cable PCI uh, interface to a PXI mainframe. Or we have the same PXI modules can go into a chassis that has an ethernet interface or a USB interface into it. So we really, you know, look at that as, uh, you know, being able to provide the, the flexibility of, of choice or freedom of choice to, uh, to our end users. PXI tends to be most popular when there is a high mix of instrumentation and or switching that's required. LXI uh, mainframes are, and you know, a, a mainframe that has an LXI interface, most often preferred when scalability is desired, since again, LXI does not specify a specific mechanical outline. So you can have very small LXI boxes to very large LXI boxes. Um, there are instances where the form factor of a PXI module just is not ideal for an application and microwave and high voltage switching are perfect examples of that where, you know, mechanical microwave relays themselves take up a very uh, large uh, square uh, area of uh, real estate on a PXI module. And really certain laws of physics and component sizes don't always coexist in this you know, rigid 3U form factor. So in those cases, we'll find that an LXI interface into a box 
can offer you know more real estate for for designs and often is the most efficient approach. Uh, but in general, we view one of our strengths, one of Pickering's strengths, as being platform agnostic. We can pretty much adapt any of our technology to the communications interface or platform that best fits the application requirements. Great. And most of our audience is in the high frequency market. So when is it appropriate to integrate switching into an automated microwave test system? A switching system is usually at the heart of any automated test system, whether it's high frequency or low frequency. It's really you know, where there are multiple IO points on a device under test that need to be interfaced with a shared instrument or test instruments. You know, a switch system is really the key to automating a test. The alternative is to you know, incorporate manual intervention where you have test technicians who need to move cables around you know, from one point to another. Um, but that then reduces the level of automation that can be achieved. Uh, another alternative could be to incorporate multi-port instruments or you know, multiple instruments that allow direct connections to a, to a dot or a device under test. But at some point, including a 16-port signal generator, for example, in a test system because becomes a, uh, a budget-busting and practical answer in the most efficient approach really ends up uh, you know, for multiple ports uh, of signal generation is going to be to distribute it through a switch. To completely answer the question, the appropriateness really is, is determined by balancing the objectives of a, you know, a test system project. How many IO points will there be on a, on a device under test? How much manual intervention can be tolerated? What is the budget? Um, you know, those are you know, factors that routinely come up when looking at, you know, is it appropriate to put a switch into a system? Um, also important to note that the switching system in between, when you place a switching system in an automated test system, it sits between an instrument, a test instrument, and a device under test. And it's going to have an effect on the signal passing through it, particularly in uh, you know, high frequency RF and microwave applications. There's going to be reflection and there's going to be loss. Uh, so considering you know, the importance of signal integrity uh, plays a big role as well in how, you know, how, how that is going to ma be maintained within a test system architecture. But for high channel count production test environments, uh, using a switch to aid in automation is, is most of the time a, a very solid approach. So you mentioned uh, some of the challenges of reflections and loss. You know, what are the advantages and any other challenges that might be available you know, in these switching systems when they're applied to microwave technology? There's multiple potential advantages. Uh, I mean, a switching system is discussed, you know, it's going to reduce the test time because it, you know, it's key to that automation. You're, you're removing manual uh, intervention or, or certainly minimizing manual intervention that's involved, you know, when you don't have to move cables around at different test points. And you know, even that manual intervention, it's, you know, it's the, the potential of human error gets introduced. So you're, you're increasing reliability uh, when you introduce a, a switch in the test system. Connectors have a finite life. So if you're moving connectors or, you know, at the end of a cable assembly around, you know, during the por portion of the test, you know, they're, they're measured in number of insur insertions. And minimizing that movement of cable assembly saves wear and tear on connectors, and that in turn increases mean, mean time between failure. As mentioned earlier, too, uh, distributing an instrument port to multiple test points can help managing hardware costs. 
also switching systems, especially in, in the RF and, and microwave world, it's not limited to relays. We've you know, encountered syst- uh, switch applications, really signal routing and distribution applications where there's other components connected to the switch, whether it's couplers, combiners, attenuators, or power dividers. So I think you know, it's important to, you know, to understand that when we talk signal switching systems, it's not just relays. Uh, it's everything that goes, you know, as part of that to distribute, you know, from one end, whether it's the te- within the test station to the other end at the device that's uh, under test. As far as the challenges, um, they usually involve you know, a number of factors, you know, managing upfront cost of the switch, always a, always a factor, uh, the size of the system too, uh, you know, the microwave relays, mechanical relays can be large, uh, you know, physical structures. And if you have, to, you know, quite a few of them in there, it's real easy to take up four or five, six U of space in a rack. And then maintaining uh, the performance through that switch uh, is, is critical. As I mentioned, you, you know, you're going to have loss and you're going to have reflections or it's just part and parcel to adding something in between, you know, the signal that's being generated by the instrument and the device under test. And then finally, I guess the ease of integration uh, and maintenance you know, as you're adding components to the system, that's really, you know, that's just another facet uh, to, to integrate and maintain. You know, the most desirable switch is that which is the most transparent to the system. So the one that, you know, introduces the least amount of loss uh, and the least amount of reflections. In other words, the switches, you know, the phrase that we use, it becomes an extension of the test instrument. Um, you know, so the output, for example, the output accuracy of a signal generate, generator is no longer relevant, you know, at the instrument itself, but how well it's maintained through that switch. So deep knowledge of the requirements up front helps determine, you know, critical design decisions that otherwise could, you know, either drive unnecessary cost into the station or produce a system that, you know, delivers less than reliable results. You know, how many concurrent, you know, when we talk about, you know, when I mentioned uh, in terms of driving unnecessary cost into a system, how many concurrent, and this is very common in um, microwave systems, how many concurrent connections need to be made? Uh, you know, that can really, you know, impact uh, the size of a switch matrix. We can optimize a switch matrix considerably by just limiting the number of required concurrent connections. You can design for the worst case but that might end up with a system that's four times the size and cost of one that was really only what you need. Finally, I think there's the, there's the element of, of integrating a switch into the application software. Uh, switching systems can be pretty you know, complex and layered networks in which a signal might pass through multiple relays and managing the states of those relays in order to set a path can become cumbersome. You know, software engineers aren't necessarily tuned to, you know, interpreting schematics, electrical schematics. Um, so as they write their application code, if they set the wrong path, that could be time consuming, create errors. It can create, you know, really un, undesirable effects if paths are connected that should not be. So using concepts like path level switching means a coder doesn't need to study a schematic to figure out what relays need to be switched into what position in order to establish a path. They just need to know what input needs to be connected to which output. When I talk about path level switching, these are libraries that you know a vendor and Pickering is one of them, in which we provide the ability that uh, you know in an API or an application programmer's interface, instead of managing at the switch level, 
you can just pass a you know one connection point to another connection point in the application code. And then all of the underneath the hood, all of the switch states are, are managed uh, in, you know, without the user really having to worry about that. So how do switching systems affect the cost and the speed of testing? I have yet to encounter a test manager that has said that their test budget is unlimited. So cost is always a consideration. Uh, in fact, they're usually in, in the test world, they're always trying to cut costs out while keeping the quality up. Um, test is, you know, can be an overhead, perceived as an overhead at times. So, you know, we're, all, we're always challenged with maintaining cost. And, you know, depending on the requirements, you know, the cost can be considerable. Uh, but hopefully these upfront costs when investing in a switch, you know, ideally provide a return on an initial, that initial investment through the decrease in the manual intensive test procedures and, and also the increase in test reliability that I've, I've discussed earlier. So when we're architecting a switch, there are cost trade-offs that can be considered. I mentioned the concurrent switching, you know, the number of concurrent uh, paths that need to be maintained during a switch can or during a test that can maintain costs. But as well, just picking the right relay can also uh, have an impact on cost. So while you may have to have an increased cost upfront by choosing a self-terminated relay, that can pay you back in terms of reliability by decreasing the reflections that can impact system performance. Uh, from a speed standpoint, the time it takes to change switch positions is measured in tens of milliseconds. Even in electrical mechanical relays, we're typically seeing 50 milliseconds on the top end for a switch to change from one position to another. Compare that to the time it takes to move a cable or probe across multiple points in a, on a device under test, and, and the effect that uh, switching has on test speed becomes readily apparent. So with such a wide variety of applications that you address, and in some cases, 5G massive MIMO introduces a large number of ports, how do you decide how to configure a system? Architecting a, um, a switch design, much like platform selection, that's often decided well in advance of when we engage in discussions, believe it or not. Um, we're not typically exposed to test requirements, documents, and you know, details that drive a switch architecture. It's really uh, more common for us to be presented with a block diagram or a schematic of a switching system or a signal distribution system with general desired specifications, how big it, you know, how much space they have in the rack, uh, you know, how much loss they can, you know, withstand. And then our value add is really how do we lay out that hardware as efficiently as possible? There might be some flexibility and component selection, but it's also not unusual for an organization that we deal with to have the comfort level with specific component suppliers. Now, we use a common infrastructure in our microwave, microwave switch designs, which can be used across a variety of applications and adapt to a range of components. So we're not, you know, we have a library of components that we can work with and, you know, there really isn't any limit to what components we're able to integrate into our designs. In the microwave world, I tend to default to an LXI box architecture because the LXI can actually, it, it, remember it has no standard mechanical definition. Uh, so it can support a modular architecture or an integrated design. Um, and unless PXI is 
uh, specified or mandated by a customer, you know, I'll, I'll tend to look at LXI first. PXI, for example, I mean, if you have six terminated relays that you need to include in your switch design, um, that can take up a whole PXI chassis. What value did PXI just bring to the equation at that point? Not much. I can achieve the same thing in an LXI system and probably a smaller footprint for a lot less cost. So then it really, my mind comes down to a decision as to whether the system needs the flexibility of a modular system that can be reconfigured through a test adapter, the use of a test adapter for different, that, you know, that can achieve different DUT requirements, or if the system requires more consistent and controlled performance that can be achieved with a switch subsystem that has a fixed configuration. So how are these systems maintained and are they reliable? Do you need to do anything to them or are they pretty self-sustaining? There's a few factors at play here. Now, in terms of self-sustaining, yeah, they, you know, our products are going to end up into very well-controlled lab environments. So they're not anything that are going to be subject to uh, unusual shock or vibe. Um, and most of the RF switch systems that we supply use mechanical relays and they have finite life cycles or mechanical in nature. So typically between one and 10 million operations. And as long as those components are used within the rated power handling capability that they're specified for, they tend to be reasonably reliable with few instances of, of premature failure. Uh, then you have the connectors that I've mentioned before uh, on the components themselves. It can be rated for, you know, hundreds instead of millions of operations they are you know, measured for hundreds or uh, a thousand or so uh, insertions. And then the cabling between the components and the device under test is also part of that switching subsystem. You know, the switching subsystem is not just the relays, it's just the cabling, it's the, it's the connectors, it's everything that goes, sits in between. Um, so, and it, and it doesn't really take much to disturb a cable to the point where a defect or bend impacts test results. But if we take component life out of the equation, you know, it comes down to maintainability and reliability trade-offs that exist between them. Again, my mind, modular and integrated subsystems or switch systems. An integrated switch system will have all as much cabling and components contained in a box. Um, and, you know, generally will, you know, be less, uh, less uh, prone to any disturbance from, you know, people, you know, engaging in the test system or working on something else in the test system. Uh, and they also have the best performance, but they're, but they're less flexible for a wide range of applications than a modular switch system can be. And a modular switch system is certainly easier to maintain. You just pull a module out or a relay out from the front and plug it right back in. Whereas the integrated subsystem, you have the switches buried inside a box, maybe underneath cabling, and they tend to be more difficult to maintain. So there's trade-offs. It's there's no real one answer or one size fits all. It's, it's something that a you know a manufacturing organization really needs to you know investigate how they're going to be used in the field and you know how easy it is for them to maintain it in the field. So what future trends are you seeing and developing in the market for new capabilities that Pickering's working on, and how will you meet them? From a technology perspective, uh, you know, I've addressed I've addressed some of what we've seen uh, related to higher voltage and higher frequency switching. Um, we're preparing to release uh, switching products shortly that integrate nine kV relays that our sister division, our Pickering Relay division, is introduced, um, and we're going to take those relays and put them onto LXI and PXI and PXI Express products. 
Um, we've come out with the 67 gigahertz switch products that I, I mentioned that address markets such as you know, the 5G market, which has been pushing upper limits of frequency range and test. And we're, we're actually starting to see uh, requests that start to, you know, that are exceeding that range. So we're keeping our eyes on that. Uh, we're also keeping an eye on MEMS technology, um, the, MEMS, the MEMS switch industry. Historically, it's not, you know, MEMS switching has not really delivered the performance that uh, our applications that we deal with require. Uh, we're starting to see a change in that, though. There's, there's significant improvement. We're doing, you know, we're looking at MEMS switching now or, you know, evaluating what's out there. Uh, and we believe that, you know, in the near future, uh, you know, we'll be able to integrate MEMS uh, into our portfolio. Continue to see the drive toward more efficient test development cycles continuing. Uh, over the years, we've introduced app software application tools that assist system designers with uh, specific tasks, such as uh, our online cable design tool. We have uh, a switching utility software uh, that helps build path level with, that I was talking about before, uh, a path level um, uh, uh, application software environment, and uh, also the hardware em emulation tools that I've discussed. Uh, problem is that, you know, these were independent product projects that were developed over the years, and each of these applications uh, result in produced data that resides in a silo, if you will. They don't know the other one that exists. Data produced in one application is not reusable in another application. So our goal over the next few years is to combine these tools with a common database such that design activities performed in one step of the process can be reused in another step. Um, but in short, you know, test and measurement, at least where we, uh, where we uh, reside and the production test world. It's not always at the forefront of technology trends, predict, you know, particularly we're, again, in that production test world. Uh, but manufacturers are constantly under pressure to reduce costs and time the market. And it's up to the suppliers, Pickering being one of them, to find innovative ways to help make that process, uh, their processes more efficient and reliable. Well, thanks very much, Tom, for talking with me today about the test market and switching systems. I've definitely learned a lot about the applications for these systems and really appreciate your insight. To our audience, thanks for listening. You can find more podcasts at podcast.microwavejournal.com. Thanks for listening.